Welcome to the Due Till Sermons podcast, a ministry of Due Till Church in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. Each week, we share the message from our Sunday services. Be sure to click subscribe and follow along every week. This week, we are kicking off a new series called Power Surge. The series explores the awesome power and energy Jesus brought at the beginning of his ministry. The first message in the series is being presented by students from Dutil Student Ministry. Their message is titled, The Call, and is based on Mark 1, 16 through 20. Hear now this week's message from Dutil students, Mason Chapman, Tim Hogue, Autumn Holmes, and Jason Bodie. Good morning. My name is Mason Chapman, and I have the privilege of being first of four speakers today to share the word of Jesus Christ with you. We will be introducing our new series, Power Surge. For the next eight weeks, we will be diving into Jesus's ministry and the surge of energy that brought to his time and to ours. A power surge is a sudden voltage spike in a home's electrical system. A power surge means there is a higher than normal voltage event. They can come from outside or inside the home, and they happen all the time. Some of you might have experienced the power surge in your home. They stink because when your power's out, you can't watch TV. When Heather and Pastor Tom told me I was going to be talking about a power surge, I immediately thought of, the, of when Heather told me a story about when a power surge happened to her. She said lightning struck a tree behind her house and the lightning traveled through the roots and back up through the ground and struck her fence and left a mark in the post. Jesus leaves a mark not only on his disciples, but on each of us, just like the the lightning left a mark after the storm was over. A power surge is exactly what Jesus's ministry was like. It was all very fast and had a lot of energy and powerful things happening. Right when people saw Jesus' power and ministry, they followed him. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to 18, it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into a lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. This shows how powerful Jesus' words were and how people wanted to be around him. Next up is Tim. Good morning, Dutil Church. I am Tim Hogue, and I also have the honor of speaking on the word of the Lord for you today. Come and follow me. Like Mason said, these words were just full of power when they left Jesus' mouth. Jesus demonstrates his overwhelming power over and over again throughout his ministry, but, some, but these were some of the first examples. This call that Jesus makes illustrates the urgency of the call to further his kingdom that will be coming. Right after hearing those words, they dropped everything to follow him. They had no questions. So some of you may have heard the phrase, God equips the called, and he doesn't call the equipped. Now, this doesn't mean that if you're equipped for something, God can't use you, but it just means that God has no limitations on how he will use you for his plan. These men most likely had very little knowledge about God and about the Old Testament, but God was ready to equip them. Jesus' power of words is demonstrated once again in the Gospel of John when Nathaniel and Philip are called, and once again when Matthew is called. Um, In Matthew 9.9, Jesus says, follow me to Matthew. It's crazy that all he had to say was follow me. There has to be something different if these men just are willing to drop everything to follow him. 
In Luke 5.10, it says, And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Once again, these words that Jesus said led to them dropping everything. So for me, one of my favorite things about the Bible is just the context, the words they use for the original audience, and how brilliant all the authors are. So the coolest thing to me about this passage is that when Jesus says you will be catching men, in the Greek translation, they use the word zogron, and that word means catching, but it also means rescuing. This to me is just so cool to read about and to learn that these men are really going to be catching people, but they're really going to be rescuing them. All four of these men were most likely fishermen, and these passages are just so shocking to read about. These men, their passion was their passion. Their passion was fishing and just doing their job, and they all had families. These were the things that were fulfilling their lives. But when the fulfiller of hearts, Jesus, said, come and follow me, everything that fulfilled them was dead, and they started chasing after the only thing that could truly fulfill them. This job was their life. It was who these people were and all they knew. It was their security. The fulfillment they found in fishing, they now found in Jesus, and they became fishers and rescuers of people. Good morning, Detail Church. My name's Autumn. I also have the honor of speaking in front of you all today. And so whenever I think about the calling of the first disciples, the questions, what are my priorities and what am I chasing after pop into my head? Well, the first priority, a very common one for me and my peers, is maintaining good grades. I feel like this is sort of self-explanatory being a high school student where everything you do affects the shaping and molding of your future in an intellectual level. Another one of these priorities is maintaining relationships with friends and creating new ones along the way, making sure I have time for these friends and keeping my social health in check. One of the places I can make new friends and relationships is at my new workplace, where I grow in my customer service and waitressing skills. And then our final priority, we have to take care of the puppies. Lately, they've been a part of my life. Did I mention that I have not one, not two, not three, but four puppies? kind of a lot of balance. The disciples, Andrew and Simon, had a stable and successful career as fishermen, as mentioned before. This was their profession, their whole lifestyle. This was who they were known by for their peers. This was a family business that themselves and their father were heavily involved in. However, when Jesus passed the Sea of Galilee and saw them, we were told by Tim that he said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And nearly immediately, they dropped their nets and left their father to go and follow Jesus. They left their economical stability, their professions to follow Jesus. They were very successful as fishermen, and now they don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, there was no hesitation whatsoever. So why? Why did they drop everything in an instant? Because what Jesus was commanding them to do provided them more purpose. I often stumble upon myself drained at the end of the day, balancing school and relationships and work, and I'm exhausted. Let me remind you of how honored and blessed I am to have this life, but I know my priorities weren't set at that moment. I know now that this isn't what Jesus is calling me to focus on. He's calling me, and he's calling all of us to be fishers of people, to follow him and place our spiritual priorities over our earthly ones. Jesus is calling every single one of us to follow him and obey him no matter the cost to spread the gospel and gain followers of Jesus. He's calling us to escape our comfort zones just as the disciples did, forsake sin and spread Jesus' name. 
Because as we know, if we don't know Jesus or get to know him, we're not saved from our sins. And if we're not saved from our sins, we can't possibly have eternal life with our Savior and Heavenly Father. So I return to the question, why did the disciples leave everything behind to follow Jesus in a snap without hesitation? Because placing our spiritual priorities over our earthly ones, our lives and existences are made more meaningful. The Holy Spirit works within us as we serve Jesus. In Romans 8, 28, it states, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, and for those who are called according to his purpose. Many are called, but few are chosen. Millions of people lived during Jesus's time, yet only a handful of those people, handful of those millions, are made known and contribute in the building of Jesus's followers. These are the people that are in the making of a difference through generations. Being a waitress and doing well in school isn't gonna make a single dent. But me speaking up here, telling my friends and peers about Christ will give them the chance to get to know Jesus, to obey his commanding of being fishers of people. And the chain keeps going, and it has been for quite some time. The same Jesus is calling different people, then and now, you and me. Place your spiritual priorities over your earthly ones and listen to what he wants for you. Good morning, church. I am Jason, and my experience with calling started back in middle school, where me and other 12 and 13-year-olds were sitting in an auditorium listening to our guidance counselor walk us through picking out a career by answering questions in a survey that was supposed to give us a career based on our personality. Don't ask me how, but I remember so many people being so upset with what they got because they didn't have any passion or they couldn't even relate to the jobs that they were getting. And the pressure to figure out my calling and other people for their own calling seemed to start so early and felt so rushed for many of us. I, I had no, it seemed like I had to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life then and there, in that moment. Well, I didn't even know what I was going to do that night or the next day. And it only got much worse and much more prominent in high school with more career tests, more projects to figure out what I'm going to do and the questions of what's going to happen after high school, when I had no idea what I wanted to do. I also had to plan classes to take, because if I pick the wrong classes, then I'll fall behind and maybe not get into the right school or to the right other classes that you need to build up to. I didn't want to fall behind in the race to get where I needed to go. So when the time came to when I thought I had to pick what I was going to do for the rest of my life, I thought, I'll just do engineering. I mean, I'm good at math, I'm good at science, my dad does it, my sister's going into it. It just makes sense. But I had no passion for it. I didn't have really any want to do engineering. It's just, I felt like I had to pick something then and there. I didn't have the patience to wait for my own call. And I ended up taking someone else's call. It wasn't my own. I feel like James and John probably felt a similar way because they were working as fishermen pretty much since the beginning of their life. It's what they've done their whole life, and that's what their dad does. They're following in the family business. They grew up with it and were probably very comfortable with it. That's probably where they thought they are going to be for the rest of their life. So where am I getting at with all this? I'm about to talk about the patience and waiting on God's timing. You don't have to know what you're supposed to do at age 13, 18, 45, or even 100 years old. There is no right time for everybody. Everyone has their own time, and we have to wait for God to reveal that to us. 
I wanted to know my calling so bad because I thought all my questions for the rest of my life would be answered. I thought I'd have no more worries and it would just be a straight line. Imagine my surprise when I, got, I felt my calling and I still had to figure out how to get there. Do I go to college? What major do I, what major do, I do? Do I have to have any experiences that will be vital to this? Do I need any connections that I need to make right now for that calling? I still had to be patient and rely on God's calling, God's timing, even after getting my own calling. I had to wait and be patient. Just last week, me and around 50 other men went on a retreat. Pastor Tom walked us through the book of Nehemiah. What we learned was so great that I thought I wanted to share it with the rest of you. We, one of the main lessons in Nehemiah's life was patience. And the way he went about it was just so important to us. So Nehemiah was called to rebuild Jerusalem, be, be, beginning with the wall after the exile to Babel, the Babylonian exile. And one of the most prevalent lessons he learned was patience. When he got his calling, he couldn't just go to Jerusalem then and there. He had to wait four months to even take one step towards Jerusalem to go fix his home. Nehemiah had to wait for God's right time for him to start. And in this waiting, what did Nehemiah do? He spent the time praying and fasting, getting closer to God. He spent time talking to God about his calling. That way he'd know what to do when the time was right and when that time was. He'd know when to go. This can be incredibly hard, especially when it can be so much longer than four months for each of us. And waiting that long can kind of feel just, it gets you down. I mean, look at Jesus's ministry. He knew his calling pretty much instantly, but waited till around age 30 to start his ministry. That patience and perseverance is what we should all strive to find while waiting for our calling. Because our calling, it is a journey. It's not just an instantaneous thing. It is hard for us to not know everything that the world expects us to. But be patient and wait for God's call. Don't be dormant in this time either, though but pray and be in communion with God, and he will reveal his plan and his calling for each and every one of us. And he'll know when that, and we will know when that time is to come. When that time comes, we need to step out immediately in faith and get ready for the journey like God, like the first disciples did. That's when we'll know our calling. Please bow your heads in prayer. God, thank you for this time and thank you for each and everyone in this building. Please let us all find our calling and to know when we are supposed to go. When we get that calling, please be with us and please guide us in that action. Please let us know that we don't need to figure things out right away and we can wait. We don't have to feel the pressure to do it right now. Just let us rely on you and find your way towards our calling. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Dutail Church. A great way to respond to the message is to click on the discussion guide in the episode description. The guide is designed to help you reflect on the sermon individually or with a small group. We'd love to have you join us at Dutail Church for our weekly worship services. We worship at 9.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings, and you can worship with us in person or live online at dutailchurch.org. Please join us on the podcast for next week's message. In the meantime, may the Lord bless you and keep you.